Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. It's a three. In and out. Rebound. Payton. Out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. The the Here's Kevin Dan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dan alongside a very dedicated Gary St. Jean. How dedicated is the saint to the show? He's doing this from the Kona Airport in Hawaii. He had travel delays all day long. He was supposed to get in about five hours ago or so, but he was, or maybe three, two, three hours ago. I'm trying to do the Hawaii math in my head as far as the the time zone there is concerned but he is joining us from the airport so if you hear some noise going on in the background when gary's talking that is the reason why we'd like to remind you that the warriors 2023-24 season is presented by kaiser permanente and this is a great night to talk about some Warriors shooty hoop because after that win over Utah last night, the Warriors back above 500 for the first time in nearly two months when they were 15 and 14. The five game win streak. Uh, going into tomorrow's game in a five-game win streak that got him to 15-14 and 14 going into a game against Denver on Christmas Day. And, and Gary, we'll start with this. They've won 7 of 8. They've won 8 of 11. And to me, this is the best the Warriors have looked all season. This version of the Warriors, I think, can make a run. Kev, I don't think there's any debate. This is the best it's been all year. And, uh, it's, you know, it's just putting the puzzle together. And Draymond comes back, and all of a sudden, uh, Wiggins and Kaminga are playing well. And, you know, you're getting uh, Steph at just unworld level. And look at Clay last night. You had eight guys in double figures. You rebounded the ball darn well. You defended well. Kenny Atkinson steps in for, for Steve and does a great job. And, you know, you go back earlier in the week, the win against Phoenix was like a playoff game, and you're not going to find a more exciting game than that one compared maybe to the Laker game uh, where LeBron, you know, made the shot. But I, I'm really optimistic. Now, are you in a tough spot? You're at 10, and you and I are going to chat about how high they can climb up. But this West is, is just wild, uh, the, the number of teams battling it out. Yeah, it really is the, the wild, wild west this year. Ten teams above 500 now with the Warriors win last night over Utah. And you touched on Kenny Atkinson being the acting head coach in that win yesterday. And we'll start with there. Steve Kerr, Mike Dunleavy, Rick Celebrini, uh, Chris DeMarco, Ron Adams, Zaza Pachulia, all at Dejan Milojevic's funeral in Serbia. And so Kenny Atkinson was the acting head coach. And I thought he managed the game very well. And there were two instances where I said aloud to myself where Utah kind of got a couple of buckets in a row and it felt like they could wrestle momentum away from Golden State where I said, all right, Golden State needs a timeout right now. And not that I am the end-all, be-all of when you should take timeout indicator kind of guy, but Kenny did take a timeout both of those times, 
soothe my soul sitting at home in my apartment in San Jose. And I thought those two timeouts showed that he had a really good feel for the game. And obviously, he's been a head coach for uh, uh, before in the NBA, did a great job with the Brooklyn Nets and was going to be the Charlotte Hornets head coach, but wanted to come back to Golden State. So, Sane, let me ask you this. How big of a plus is it to have your top assistant be someone who has had prior head coaching experience, specifically for situations like last night? Yeah, you know, you can't teach experience. And, uh, you know, I told you the story about what Casey Jones said years ago to Nelly and I. When you move over 18 inches from the first assistant to the head coach, life changes. And uh, I love the timeouts. You're you're spot on. And and they were with that was feel for the game. You could feel that they're making a run. You didn't want to get the crowd too involved. You had to compose your team. Uh, I, you know, I I thought he did a heck of a job. And, And you know what? Kev, we got to uh, just praise the Warrior organization, Joe Lacob, uh, the entire yep. crew, for sending, uh, you know, a, a party, a group to go over there for uh, the funeral for DM. I, I just thought that was a class act, and it was the right thing to do. The guy's missing the game, and uh, the guys, uh, players came through with a heck of a solid performance. Yeah, no, definitely a class act by the Warriors organization, and... and a great win last night for Golden State defeating Utah 129-107. to I want to start on the defensive side of the ball, saying because Utah, they ended up shooting 45%, but they were in the low 40s for a good chunk of the night. I really like that they didn't score 30 points in any quarter for as explosive as that offense could be. They only had nine offensive rebounds. This is a really good offensive rebounding team. Lowry Markinen largely held in check. And, and look, I know they made some trade deadline moves that if you read kind of the Salt Lake Tribune, Tony Jones of the Athletic, the Deseret News, it, it sounds as if it's not a teardown necessarily. They're not re, they're not just saying, all right, we're not trying to make the play in. But they did get rid of three rotation players at the trade deadline. It's Simone Fontecchio, Kelly Olenek, who was really good for them. And then Ochaya Bob a second-year guard, maybe a third-year guard at this point, who was at the end of the lottery. I think he is in his second year this year. Um, and look, I understand that those were important pieces to that team, but it's not. They weren't as important enough pieces for this to be like an asterisk victory, if you will. Like I don't think anybody's confusing any of those three guys for being like top 90, top 100 players in the NBA. Olenek was great for them uh, as a bench guy and did a lot of good things. Maybe their best passer, if, if you read kind of the, you know, the, the newspapers in Utah, but they aren't Lowry Markinen, Colin Sexton kind of game changer. So this was still very much a competitive Utah team, and Golden State really held them in check on the defensive end of the floor. Well, Kev, they are really tough to beat there. You know, we don't uh, talk enough about the altitude, and they've had great teams for 30 years, and they're rebuilding. Now, with that said, you you touched on Markkinen. This is a terrific young player, and I thought the guys did a great job on him. They didn't give him any clean looks, and he's a great, great young player. Uh, Kessler's back playing a lot more minutes now that uh, uh, Olenek's gone, and and look at the year he had last year. And you know who's come uh, uh, resurrected from the, the cave? Uh, is Collins, who's, who's played pretty darn well the last three weeks. Now, they're light in the backcourt. You know, Clarkson's very inconsistent. 
Sexton has played better, and Horton Tucker, you don't want to, he, he could play linebacker for, for the <laughs> Niners. So, uh, you know, it's a team that's rebuilding. The Danny Ainge, they've got a lot of picks. They're going to be solid in the future. But if you ask me about the horse race today, I think Houston and Utah are starting to, uh, to slip down a little bit. Yeah, I, I think they are as well. Houston had kind of a, a fortunate win last night over the New York Knicks with a, a fortunate yeah. Uh, yeah. call in, in the last second. Yeah, a tough whistle against Jalen Brunson. But it, the defense, it wasn't just kind of a one-night show for Golden State because with the return of Draymond Green, surprise, surprise, the defensive numbers have been outstanding. On this five-game win streak, their defensive rating is 103.7. They're giving up 103.7 points per 100 possessions, and that number would lead the NBA by a mile. Since their, uh, the, the break with the death of, with the death of Decky, they're 8-3 in those 11 games since, and their defensive rating in that stretch is 110.5, which would be third in the NBA. They're Getting 75% of the opponent's missed shots, which is a great number. That number would be number one in the league over the last 11 games. And the rebounding percentage overall, they're collecting almost 54% of all available misses. That would be number one in the league. So it's not just a one-game sample size. Since they've returned to competition following the break for the passing of Decky, they've been really good defensively. Well, you know, it's so impressive because you're, I don't know, two, one of the two smallest teams in the entire league, yet they're one of the top rebounding teams in the league. That that just to tells me that everybody's bought in. There was a point of emphasis in training camp. And, you know, it's coinciding with that. There's not as many fouls. They're taking better care of the ball. The shot selection, you're getting 30 assists a game on a kind of a regular basis now. And, you know, uh, people are kind of found their roles and they're, and they're, they're really playing well and uh but the defense to me that 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 travels and we all know we got a real tough one tomorrow night with the clippers a terrific team and then you go back uh because of the passing of the assistant coach you're going to go back again there thursday so uh but I, i'm just really really impressed the way things have turned around and and you got to give draymond credit he, he's done a great job and i just i think everybody just looks comfortable they do look comfortable. They are playing their best basketball this season, 26 and 25. Still two games to get to before the All-Star break. Three games in four nights to head into the All-Star break with that makeup game on the other side of the Clippers on Thursday. Makes it a back end of a back-to-back. -back. believe they'll get into Salt Lake City around 2.33 a.m. Somewhere around there, maybe get to the hotel by 2.33 a.m., land around 2. Well, folks, celebrate Lunar New Year at Chase Center tomorrow, February 14th as the Dubs take on the Los Angeles Clippers presented by Cash Creek Casino Resort. First 10,000 fans get a Warriors Lunar New Year bucket hat. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. Still plenty more to talk about on the other side of this break from the win over Utah last night. We'll also move into uh, the, the thriller against Phoenix. We'll, we'll do some trade deadline talk, wrap things up from a Warriors perspective there, and then look ahead to the Clippers and the Jazz again to wrap up the first, the unofficial first half of the season, quote unquote, even though we're about two thirds of the way through the regular season. So you have that to look forward to and taking your calls all hour long, 888-957-9570 on the other side of this break right here on 95.7 The Game. 
Vandana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth! Curry, screened by Draymond Curry, gets free for three. Got it! On 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Chase Center hosts West Coast Conference rivals, the University of San Francisco Dons and the Gonzaga Bulldogs on Thursday, February 29th. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. Warriors will be on the East Coast while USF is taking on Gonzaga. I believe that night they will be taking on the New York Knicks at the Garden. Madison Square Garden, that should be a fun one. But, of course, first things first, the Warriors got to handle biz before that. And let's talk a little more about the win here on Warriors Roundtable. 95-7 the game. Hit us up, 888-957-9570. Karen, Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean. More on the win over Utah. As we got to talk a little, Clay Thompson leading the way with 26 points. Uh, last few games, I, I feel like even though the three-point shooting hasn't been there, He's done a good job finishing inside off curl cuts, kind of getting to the hoop, catching the ball with momentum, going to the hoop, attacking off the catch, and getting some easy layups. Now, his first made shot was a three last night, but he lived inside, lived in the mid-range, eight made twos, the most he's had in a game since January 2023 per Anthony Slater. And and Tim Kawakami even tweeted out last night, that he feels like Clay should live in the mid-range a little more because he has a very lethal 15 to 18 foot jumper. Well, Kev, you know, the thing that got me was his comments, I think it was before the game, after the last game, about how he's, he just feels at peace and he's comfortable where he's at. And it really showed in his play last night. You know... He didn't have to create shots. He took the shots that were given to him or created by his teammates. And the one that got me was the Nowitzki one-legger. I, I <laughs> yeah. love that thing. That, that got me. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm happy for the guy because he's such a competitor. And, you know, he's had greatness in his career. And, you know, it's a, it's a changing role. And, and that's hard to accept for a great player. Uh, but yet, I, I think he's doing a beautiful job. Just, I, you know, I'm biased, but I, I think there's been a lot of critics that, uh, hey, let me see you get out there and play the way he's played with those injuries, the way he's competed. And, uh, you know, with that said, he's a vital, vital piece. Uh, you know, Steph wasn't having his best game. And, uh, you know, if what, first two, three quarters, all of a sudden, you know, you get Clay stepping in there doing a fabulous job and. You're just happy for him. Yeah, they absolutely needed those clay points in the first three quarters. He finished with 26. I think he was at 16 through the first three quarters. Steph only had 10 through the first three quarters and then, well, hit five threes in the fourth quarter to help put the game on ice. And it was really kind of the clay right wing three that that brought in the subs at the end of that one. But you kind of touched on some of the comments that he made. I want to read this passage from an article that Logan Murdoch did for the Ringer. Uh, he, he asked Clay about a potential reduced role in the future with Golden State if he were to come back. Of course, this is the last year of his current contract. And Clay said, 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that referring to a reduced role. He said, I'll be 35 next year. At 35, coming off the ACL and an Achilles and still having the ability to be a really good player. Maybe not the guy who scored 60 and three quarters and 37 in a quarter, but still a great threat out there. Then he also mentioned he kind of modeled his game after Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, a couple of guys who were both effective into their late 30s. And that's kind of the, the plan that Clay is looking to follow. Yeah, no, you know what? And, and that to me is being at peace with your game. And to me, I, I'm going to go back. Um, he and Steve have had some great talks. You need, you need, you know, you guys in your corner with a big adjustment in, in your game. You need that. And uh, I, I just think it's going to continue here as we go down the stretch. And I think it's big for the team. He's such a, you know, you, you get down to late game situations and you put Clay Thompson on the floor late game. <laughs> you better guard him. So yeah. uh, he spaces the floor for you, and uh, I, I just think he just, he looks, I, I don't see him getting down on himself, you know, on, on the bench. He looks like he's really into it, and uh, I just think he's a big, big piece. He definitely still is a vital part of the organization for Golden State. He's been uh, certainly a big part of the win last night and uh, one of the reasons why Golden State has won seven of their last eight, have won five in a row to get above 500, even if he hasn't had the best shooting performances as of late last night notwithstanding so the Warriors 10th in the West right now 26 and 25 they're a half game behind the Lakers for ninth now the Lakers are hosting the Detroit Pistons who are playing better basketball as of late they are gonna easily get to double figure victories which didn't appear to be a sure thing earlier this year when they went on that 27 28 game losing streak whatever it was but Lakers probably going to win that game, so they're probably going to be a full game back of the Lakers for ninth, but still ahead of them in the loss column, and then four games back of Phoenix for six. So, saying I, I pose the question to you with 31 games remaining, what's a realistic goal for the Dubs to try to shoot for by season's end as far as placement in the Western Conference? Well, they, they could sneak up to, to eight. It's going to be hard because Dallas has the easiest schedule in the league. Uh, Kings are playing Phoenix tonight. Oklahoma City, to me, is still untested. I, I, I don't have firm footing on them. That's that foursome there that's battling for, you know, five, six, seven, eight. And could you get up there? Why not? Uh, somebody can have an injury, God forbid, and uh, you could have some problems with the team. But uh, in, in the big picture, um, I, I think they can do it. And, and if you get up there to... Uh, what seven or, or eight? You know, you don't have to play the the play in. I mean, you can get a home game and all that stuff. So, um, I'm optimistic. I really am. I know they got a b couple of brutal trips that that one back east. And uh, you know, with that said, you got veterans, and veterans love to win on the road. They love to silence the crowd. Yeah, and. <laughs> With respect to winning on the road and loving to win on the road, it's been a totally different thing this year. Last year, the Warriors went 11 and 30 and had to get on a heater late in the season to get to 11 and 30 on the road. With that win last night against Utah, 
They're playing 500 basketball on the road. They're 12 and 12. They just haven't gotten the wins of Chaser. They're 14 and 13 to Chaser. 12 and 12 on the road. So already more road wins this season as opposed to last year. And you mentioned Oklahoma City being untested. I mean, Minnesota hasn't won a playoff series since Kevin Garnett was on the team. That was 20 years ago. So. I mean, if Oklahoma City and Minnesota, and obviously you, you don't want to test fate, you know, you don't want to, you know, kind of play the standings and take losses to try to get a better opponent in the first round. I, I'm never a fan of that. But if you just happen to have, say, you you land the seven or eight speed eight seed, and that's Oklahoma or City or Minnesota, I think those are the two teams that you'd want to face in the first round if you're Golden State, certainly over the likes of the Clippers or the defending champion Denver Nuggets. Kev, you're you're right on with that. Uh, my my, you you're spot on. You you know those two teams you mentioned are untested. Minnesota, OKC, they have a wonderful years, but they're not battle tested. And with that said, you don't know and. And then you get down to that other foursome. If you play Dallas, you know, they're better with those two young kids. But they don't defend. And, of course, they got that special, special player. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I, I, I don't think, uh, I think they can beat any of those teams, really. Yeah, we shall see. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball to get to before we can really even think about what the postseason picture would look like. But another reason why Golden State has been playing well, it's not just that Draymond Green is back in the lineup. It's that GP2, Gary Payton II, has been back in the lineup and has been incredible. We, we know his energy is infectious. He also hasn't missed a shot since returning. He was perfect from the field against Phoenix. Four for four again last night against Utah. And look, sometimes people get caught up in the losses and predict doom and gloom, Saint. But look, if you've missed Draymond Green, who's maybe your second most important player, Gary Payton the second, who's part of the fabric of the team, and... Chris Paul, CP3, for a good chunk of the season, your record's naturally going to suffer. Those are three huge rotation pieces for Golden State. Now, two of those three guys are back. CP3 isn't far behind. And voila, they're winning games again. Well, the interesting thing that we're talking about here is you're bringing up great points. And that's, for me, the key... One of the keys to that win over Phoenix was Gary Payton matched up with uh, Kevin Durant. Now, we can go all the way back to Jackson matching up with Nowitzki when Nelly went small. And then Avery Johnson matched up with him. And I, I just think that Nurkic shouldn't have been on the floor. He, he wasn't a positive. If he was dominating, you keep your big in. But uh, he wasn't bringing anything to the table. If anything, he... He and Draymond were just having a verbal exchange, and I thought Draymond got the best of everything with him. So, but I thought Gary, you know, there's a there's a thought process, Kev, that you get up and crowd a guy, you take away his yeah. space, and he got in there so that Kevin uh, couldn't break it down and, and just go quickly off the bounce like he loves to do, and uh, and then on the offensive end, son of a gun, they run the back pick lob for him, and then he gets another tip dunk, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, and he hits a wing three. He's known for the corner three, but in that game he hits a wing three. And let's talk a little more about that win over Phoenix because it was an incredible, incredible game. And look, so 
I have OCD when it comes to Warriors games, and if I can't watch them live, I need to DVR them, and I need people to not tell me what happened. And it makes it tough when I'm doing a Santa Cruz Warriors game because, of course, I'm working for the Warriors organization, and most of the people are sane, and we'll just kind of follow along as a Santa Cruz game is happening. Uh, so, you know, it's about 8 p.m. It's, uh, on a Saturday night. The game started at 5.30 at Chase Center. We're in, you know, probably early third quarter, just about to start the second half. And my partner, Drew Schiller, looks at me. He's like, just making sure you don't want to know what's happening right now, right? I was like, yeah, I, I have OCD. I, I can't know right now. And that gave me a hint that something might be going on around 8 p.m. right now up in Chase Center. I look across the, the court and our team president, Chris Murphy, is huddled around with two other people courtside in front of a phone. So that was another cue that, oh, something really interesting might be going on right now. And then during the middle of the game, and it wasn't at a in the middle of the Santa Cruz game, I should clarify. It wasn't like there was something super exciting happening on the court. I hear a few smattered big cheers behind me. And so I, I had a decent feeling when I got home at like 10.30 p.m. that night that maybe the Warriors won the game. And I, I saw that I had a text from Brian Iglesia uh, that said 30. It works for in 95.7. Used to, used to produce a Warriors Roundtable used to be the man behind the glass before the great Mark Grandy took over. And so uh, I saw that text. And I'm like, maybe Stephen Curry did something. And uh, sure enough, an hour and a half later, and I can finish a game in 80 minutes or so. Uh, I saw the Stephen Curry three off the great bounce pass from Brandon Pajemski. And what a game it was. And it was great to see Golden State finally be on the right side of a one possession game because they had a nine game losing streak of one possession final scores. I think that's eventually going to progress to the mean. That kind of losing one possession games isn't sustainable. Like it isn't sustainable to win one possession games that frequently. It's a coin flip and eventually the coin is going to flip on your side of the coin every now and then. But man, what a win on Saturday night. Well, there's so much to talk about that. That was like a big-time playoff game, and you had great players stepping up, late-game situations. You saw Booker make a couple to get them back in the lead. And, you know, you just uh, said, Pazinski, that, that bounce pass that he made, uh, I can't, let's, let's kind of talk it through. Yeah. Check it out from left side out of bounds. Now, Steph caught the ball off of the right elbow and then pivoted out to the three. That is a long bounce pass. Long. And it's yeah. dangerous. But yet, everybody was in sync. The quality screen that, that Steph got. And then he just turned as only he can, pivoted, and knocked down that three. And uh, I'm going to say this. Beal, I thought, made a major mistake there. He went for the steal uh, with yeah. his inside hand. You want to deny the ball with your outside hand so you can keep your balance. When he ste stepped in with his left hand, he ran by Steph and couldn't recover. But still, there's, there's, you know, uh, can we talk about even two or three other guys in the entire league that make yeah. shots like that? I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, that, that was one, one heck of a game. Whew, it really was. And you touched a little bit on Draymond and Yusuf Nurkic round two. Of course, this was the first time they met since Draymond hit 
Yusuf Nurkic upside the head led to a 12-game suspension. He missed a few more games after that and kind of a return to competition and conditioning. But, look, I have a soft spot personally for Yusuf Nurkic. He practiced with the Santa Cruz Warriors as he was returning to competition on March 11th, 2020. That's the day that the NBA shut down. Earlier that day, Yusuf Nurkic was practicing, practicing with us in Santa Cruz because the Trailblazers didn't have a G League affiliate at the time. We were the closest G League team. And Gennaro Pargo, who was with the Portland Trailblazers organization, who was on their staff, his younger brother, Jeremy Pargo, was playing with us in Santa Cruz. So we had some connections. And Yusuf practiced with us, was a great dude. He was actually like one of the last five hands I shook for like a year because of the pandemic as everything shut down after that. But I'll say this, uh, Draymond Green completely got into his head and won that battle in a line landslide. I mean, 6.6 rebounds, four assists for Yusuf, 15.7 rebounds, nine assists on seven of nine field goal shooting for Draymond Green. And, and to me, saying it was just incredible theater. And that's the type of Draymond that propels Golden State to the next level. No Nobody's asking him to be a Boy Scout out there, not asking him to not say anything. Just, you know, don't do the antics that cost him the multiple suspensions that he's had this year. And the the, the technical foul here and there is fine. I mean, I thought he walked the line perfectly on Saturday and he completely got into Nurkic's head. He was he was darn close there. I for a minute there I thought he was gonna get tossed. And I thought he was kind of theatrical in Utah. He got three and uh, but that's a testimony to the team. Uh, look at how well Davis played in the second half. He was terrific. So uh, guys are stepping up when he got in foul trouble. And, you know, Kev, he's going to have some fatigue playing against these big, big guys. That that does wear you down physically. So, uh, but it, he's been uh, he's been the architect on both ends of the floor. Uh, that he has. Now, Mark has uh, this pulled up for us. Uh, a quote from Draymond Green. This is what he had to say after the game last night. He said him getting suspended may have actually helped the team. Now, saying I want to get your thoughts after we hear this quote from Draymond Green. Honestly, I think me getting suspended helped in a weird way because, number one, since I got J.K. is taken off. You know, and that has kind of set the stage for this team. Bonafide number two option on our team. And so now you got different things. You're able to figure out different things that we can go to. Our offense don't look the exact same like it used to look. Uh, we got different things that we're going to. You're able to find different combinations that work. And then it's just been kind of plug and play since then, you know, figuring the pieces out. So not that I wanted to get suspended uh, or, or that was good or anything like that, but I do think it kind of helped us find different things that we can go to and explore. And now you add me back into the fray, you add GP back from his injury, CP will be coming back, and now you got those pieces coming back that, you know, you know you can rely on, but, you know, it's, it's not just us. It's everybody who's stepping. Lester, he, you know, it's everybody who's going out there it's playing good basketball, so I think that's good for us. Holy moly, can you turn a negative into a positive any better than that? <laughs> you put a mic in front of him, he's, he's something else. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he, he really is. Uh, he had some interesting uh, quotes on Yusuf Nurkic on his podcast uh, that came out a little bit earlier today. He had uh, plenty to say about Nurk, but l- let's move on and let's go back a little bit further in time and rewind the clock another 48 hours from the Suns game. The trade deadline, it came and it went. Obviously, there was the big move last year to move James Wiseman to get back Gary Payton the second. This year, a, a more minor move. Uh, trading Corey Joseph to Indiana for a 2024 second round pick, which gets the Warriors in this year's draft. Then a top 55 projected 2025 20, second round pick in cash considerations. I think that's originally Charlotte's pick, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, the likelihood that Charlotte would have a back end second round pick uh, for 2025, unlikely. And then Indiana moved, uh, waived Corey Joseph. So he, he's looking to catch on with a team. And look, uh, he, he didn't have a huge num- numbers season for Golden State this year. He's been a valued backup point point guard in the league for years uh, it's been a great career for him to this point i mean anyone who plays 13 years in the nba and is a rotation player for a good good chunk of those 13 years it is an elite elite basketball player he's still just 32 years old he's got plenty of basketball ahead of him if that's the way he wants to go but uh, i think Corey joseph for his service I, I know maybe some fans got frustrated that his shot wasn't falling at the beginning of the season uh, his very last game as a warrior in philadelphia he he caught fire he had some other games this year where he was hitting timely threes and it was a steadying presence certainly when chris paul was out and obviously chris paul is still out but he certainly did some good things for this team and i wish him the best of luck with the rest of his career well said you know he's a class act everybody uh, every place he's been you hear nothing but superlatives about him as a guy accepting his role a very smart player quality guy and uh, you wish him luck but this is what takes on the place on the bottom of your roster when you're trying to do some maneuvering at the trade deadline and you know with the recouped a little cash and good move for the team and it just tells you that they they're ready to stick with chris paul when he comes back and and ride with what you got yeah so the the warriors decided to essentially stand pat now they have 13 guys on full nba contracts they need to sign someone to a 14th spot by uh, about a week and a half from now, February 22nd, I believe the date is. Uh, the reporting is that Lester Quinones, and I mean, if you've seen him play recently, Lester Quinones is a strong candidate to get that 14th spot. Uh, I have loved what I've seen from Lester the last two years in Santa Cruz. And he is, in that road trip, he kind of came of age, Gary. That road trip, I mean, his minutes in Philadelphia, his minutes in Indiana, he was just very impactful on that road trip and it's good to see someone kind of realize that they're not just an NBA player but they can be an NBA rotation player as he kind of came of age on that road trip well chance met opportunity he just capitalized on it and and as you said you gave a great scouting report on him a couple weeks ago and uh, it was right on he's he's done a nice job I love all hardy plays he's a intelligent player he's not afraid of taking an open shot and uh, he's had minutes because of guys being out, and he's done a darn good job. Uh, so you're happy for him, and if he gets that 14th spot, and, and Kev, I don't know, you you probably know better than I do if they have any um, 
room with a, with previous contracts. Uh, when you get rid of somebody, sometimes you can bring a guy into those spots. And I don't know if they even have any. So uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe they would just pick up a minimum guy. Yeah, they because they they can't pick up because they're over the second apron. They can't pick up a a guy who has like a mid level exception plus kind of contract. That's why they couldn't get like a, a guy like a Kyle Lowry or, or or something like that. But yeah, I, I think you know Lester obviously with he not having a ton of NBA experience, his contract would be cheaper, and and he's certainly deserving of a full roster spot. Now at Cash Creek Casino Resort, folks, every day is a gift. Every new day a gift. That's why for 25 consecutive days they're giving away incredible prizes to lucky Warriors fans. Visit warriors.com slash 25 days to enter 25 days of winning presented by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Well, we got one more segment left in the show. We're happy to take your calls. 888-957-9570. I do want to talk a little more about the Warriors' decision to stand pat at the trade deadline. Uh, The Warriors' front office showing faith and the guys that they have in the locker room right now. We'll take a look ahead to the Kawhi leonard LA Clippers tomorrow night. Everyone else should be available. And then again, the Utah Jazz on the road on Thursday. So you have all that to look forward to on the other side of this break right here on 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Knocked it down straight on for about 28 feet. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Welcome to be back here on Warriors Roundtable. Got you for another 10 or 11 minutes or so on 95.7 The Game. If you want to hit us up, 888-957-9570. The number, let's take a look at our upcoming broadcast presented by Ticket Match. The Warriors at home tomorrow night taking on the L.A. Clippers. That's Lunar New Year's celebration presented by Cash Creek Casino Resort. On air at 6.30, tipping off at 7 p.m. Tim Roy is going to be out the next couple of games to deal with a family matter. So Jenny Kavner, who was recently announced as the Lead play-by-play broadcaster for the Oakland A's TV crew will be doing the game tomorrow. Congrats to Jenny on getting that job with the Oakland Athletics. And then the Warriors back into a back-to-back 5.30 airtime in Utah, 6 p.m. tip on 95.7 the game. I will be with you in Salt Lake City. Really looking forward to doing that game. And that will get you to the All-Star break. After that, the Warriors return home to take on the L.A. Lakers, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. That is presented by State Farm. Then the Warriors on the back end of a home back-to-back will take on the Charlotte Hornets. Seth Curry and the Charlotte Hornets in the house. 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip time. That is presented by NBC Sports. And then... Sunday, February 25th, the Denver Nuggets in town at Chase. 3.30 airtime, 4 p.m. tip time. That game presented by Starry. Then they go on an East Coast trip, and you will be stuck with me for that East Coast trip. But one more thing about the trade deadline before we move to the Clippers game. I just want to say that I like that the Warriors stood pat. I am always in favor of not shaking up the locker room midseason, especially if the guys like each other, which they do this year. There's not a a big team cancer or anything like that. And I know that NBA fans love all the drama, the trade deadline, love free agency. I love free agency as much as anyone. But fans want to see big trades. I am more often than not a guy who 
doesn't want the ecosystem of my locker room, my quote unquote locker room, not that it's my locker room, but the, you know, the, the, the team I cover, the team I follow, prefer to not get shaken up in a major way. Because generally speaking, I like who is on the roster as is. Well, Kev, I, I agree with you. you know, a few weeks ago, people thought, you know, with the Wiggins not playing as well as maybe they hoped that he might be on the market, but uh, he played some darn good games before it, and uh, I I agree with you. I don't think they wanted to break up the core. Now, you have to make phone calls and have people say no to you because there's nobody in their right mind that, that thought that the Warriors were going to trade Kaminga. I mean, yeah. that, that to me is crazy. I mean, that's picking up the phone just to have a conversation and talk about the weather. Uh, <laughs> that that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah. uh, you know, the guys they talked about, you know, Caruso, love him. Olenek, I love his smart, intelligent play. So uh, the guys they talked about, good stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, you got something that a lot of teams don't have. You you got a terrific locker room. You you really do. And it's uh it's led by those Hall of Fame guys who set the tone. Yeah, I mean, and we saw when the season started, when this team was more or less healthy. You saw how well the season started. They were six and two, and they played a really good game in Denver, nearly won that game in Denver to get to seven and two. Then there was the first Raymond suspension. Then there was a second Draymond suspension. In there, GP2 gets hurt. CP3 breaks a hand. And obviously, the record slides. I'm not saying this team is the number one contender to win it all. Clearly, right now, they're not. But this team could certainly make a push, and especially if Wiggins and Kaminga continue to play like this, and all the evidence that we've seen these last few games is pointing to, yes, Wiggins and Kaminga are going to continue to play as well as they have been recently. Well, Kev, uh, I would say, what, two months? You got you and I have been talking about this, and I've been kind of vociferous about it, stating that those two guys are the key, that the, the yep. ability to get paint penetration, to be really good defenders, to take care of the glass, they're, they're just key, key pieces to this puzzle. And uh, you add Draymond there, and he, I think he just gives those guys an air of confidence. He talks to them at uh, both ends of the floor where it's a free throw situation, a timeout, halftime, and he, he knows how to press the right buttons. And, you know, you have the emergence of the rookies and the role players, and, you know, you, you just don't know. I, I know this. If I'm sitting there, and let's, let's hypothetically say they finish eight. If I'm those teams in uh, 9 and 10 or whatever and up above, I don't want to play the Warriors. No. <laughs> I, I don't want to play against Steph Curry. Oh, my gosh. No way. No. No, even though they didn't win the title last year, they still certainly showed plenty of playoff spunk, uh, that great series against the Kings, and then a close six-game loss uh, to the L.A. Lakers. Uh, let's move on to the other team in L.A., the Clippers. They're in the house tomorrow, and look, they got off to a really rough start this year. They lost like their first five games after the James Harden trade. They were 3-7, and seven, but they're 32-10 and 10 since. And I know they've lost two of their last three, a couple of home games to the Pelly Pels and last night losing to Minnesota in, in big fashion. But they've been one of the best teams in the NBA basically last two and a half months. And bringing Russell Westbrook off the bench was a big key for them. James Harden has been really good. And Kawhi Leonard, who unfortunately will not play tomorrow night, he's playing at a near MVP level. And the biggest thing for him, 
He's played 48 games. He's on pace to play the most games of his career ever. And Paul George is on pace to play the most games he has in five years. He's already played 49 games. He hasn't played in more than 56 games since the 2018-19 season. So, uh, shocker, Kawhi Leonard and PG are healthy. The Clippers are a really good basketball team. Uh, they're better than good. Uh, yeah. and, and let's first talk about Ty Lu, who's on Steve Kerr's Olympic staff. Uh, and you and I have talked about this, Kev. He's yeah. one of the top three to five coaches in the league. And and yep. what does he do at a at a great great efficiency? He, he he buys into these guys as individuals and gets them to accept the role. What he's done with Westbrook, amazing. What he's done with Harden, amazing. The two guys meeting down and hey, you know what? Let's not forget our forget our good friend Jerry West down there. Let's not. And uh, you know what? Uh, hey, he's an architect of many championships, and uh, they've had talks with these two guys. You know, Leonard signed a long term deal. I think they're going to get George signed, and uh, they got Zubak, and they got a couple good guys on the bench and Powell and uh, a couple others and I I am I wouldn't want to play them I, I think they got all the pieces I, I think they're ready to be there you you got me by surprise by uh, letting me know that Leonard's not going to play tomorrow and if that be the case you got to you got to jump on that opportunity because that guy there uh, he he's so strong Kev and he and he's one of those guys can get to any place he wants to on the court because of his uh, strength and his he's just one special player no you know no not boisterous or anything but boy he is a winner he really is a winner. So, yeah, this news came out while you were in the air, Gary. So the Clippers, this is from Sham Sharania. The Clippers say Kawhi Leonard has a left adductor strain, and that is why he is out against the Warriors tomorrow. So the, the Warriors do catch a break there, but there's still plenty of firepower on the Clippers. What do you see as being kind of some keys to victory tomorrow night, Saint? Well, I, I think a big key with playing this team is you got to handle ball screens. So understand who you're going over and under. Now, what do I mean by that? If there's a pick and roll and Westbrook's involved in it, you make him beat you over the top. So you go under Zubak's screen, or it could be George's screen. And then if you're playing against a shooter that likes to shoot behind the screen, whether it, uh, it's Harden, then you go over the top of the screen. So there's so many screens now in the NBA with the ball that uh, you have to have a good solid game plan there and a backup uh, again this team's big with Zubak and, and you've got a rebound and we, Kev it's a broken record take care of the ball don't commit a lot of fouls dominate your defensive glass and uh, depend on uh, depend on the crowd to carry you to the finish line and then one more game before the All-Star break. It'll be a quick turnaround. They go to Utah. Again, just saw them. Beat them by 22 points. It's a, a different-looking Utah team after the trade deadline a little bit, but they still have their main, main guys. But i got to ask you, Saint, you're in the NBA for quite some time. You've done this back-to-back travel-wise. How tough is that back-to-back where you go home, then to Salt Lake City? Yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, you're not going to get, you lose an hour, 
you're not going to get in there till probably one in the morning, two in the morning. So you might have a, a late uh, breakfast session and, and, and have a walkthrough in, in the hotel. But the key is you just played them two nights ago. So you emphasize what you did really well, what we got to improve upon to get this job done. Of course, number one on that board is marketing. And, uh, you know, you, you got momentum on your side. Uh, I loved listening to Clay uh, in his interview. He, he was really positive about the team. He's he's fired up, and I think the rest of the guys are too. They're, they're ready to play. So get these two and then take a nice vacation and relax and have a great time. Look, in Utah, I'll end with this. Utah might not stick around the play-in chase, but they're only a, half, a game and a half back of Golden State right now. If you win that game, you have, depending on what happens with them against the Lakers and Golden State against the Clippers tomorrow, you could have a two-and-a-half game lead for the 10 spot over them, and you play them twice more, and you get them both times at home. So you... you come very close to clinching the tiebreaker with Utah if you can win that game tomorrow or Thursday night, I should say. Well, that'll do it for us, folks. Big thank you to Marika Cleto and R.C. Davis on the uh, Warriors side of things. Big thank you to Mark Grandy behind the glass for uh, keeping the show up and running for Gary. I'm Kevin Dana saying so long. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors Roundtable. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through. One hand three. Up and go. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it. 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.